Hey ballers, welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where we talk about the latest in sports tech and pop culture. This is Mark along with John and Pete and little Liam, if you can see him in the uh, down there as well. As a kind reminder, if you like what you hear or see, please hit that subscribe button, or as Pete likes to say, the tickle that bell. <laughs> Tonight, we Do welcome like back to, to the that? podcast, Mr. Eric Gould. Good evening, monkey hello, man. Hello, Good to be back, guys. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, first time on a live show, Eric. Welcome. First time on it's the a, live it's show. It's a party. I had to guess on the sound this time, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's let's do the rounds. John, how you been? I'm great. I have my IT shirt on. Thursdays turned into my work from home day, so Ooh. I got Jamie. We got ice cream. Uh, Jamie got a role in her first school play ever. She's going to play <gasps> Jane in Mary Poppins Jr., which is incredibly exciting. Jane, she Ooh, wanted. that's yes. a big role. Uh, Jane Banks. Jane Banks. Very good, very good. Eleven is so interesting. She spent the whole night tonight just, like, marking up her script book, being, like, putting her songs and kind of looking through it and getting kind of... She really liked to make it pretty, so once it's pretty now, we can start learning it. So. <laughs> We'll That's so that cool. Works. Congratulations awesome. to her. Does she have to speak with a British accent? I told her to only try if she's sure she can do it the whole time. And I was like, it's probably a mistake. So well, you probably I shouldn't. think I think everyone else has to do it too. <laughs> right. Everyone else has to do it too. So probably okay, she's the only not. little girl with a with a British accent that's gonna look weird. I mean, 1910, man, that's a tough time for eight-year-old girls. Yeah. How are you, Mark? I'm doing great. Life's pretty busy as per usual. Just before the show, I had a craving for tiramisu. So, of course, I went down to mm. the the place down the street from me. And they surprised me by having an Oreo tiramisu. What? Oh, my God. It combined my two favorite desserts, like cookies and cream, ice cream, and tiramisu. It was the best thing I've ever had in my entire life. That is not that is not an exaggeration, too. I will not, uh, I will not tell your grandma Oreo tiramisu. Oh, it was it was phenomenal. <laughs> it was phenomenal. Um, I did post on my Instagram. I'll I'll actually probably put it on the um, the show's Instagram. Hell yeah, you should. Because it was yeah. it was so good. I'm gonna I'm oh, gonna have dreams about that dessert for a while. Show I think. code show code, bro. <laughs> Everything goes yeah, on the Instagram. Yeah. I know. Pete, how we doing? And uh, how's little Liam? Uh, Liam, how are you doing? <laughs> he's getting oh, okay. big. Pete. He just says like a, oh, I haven't seen him in like chunky. a week, and he's a little chunk monster. He's very much a little chunk monster and he's starting to outgrow all of his clothes and he no longer fits in places. He's he's rapidly growing, rapidly growing and and saying more stuff like he we can he, make he him can, better. I think he can do all the vowel sounds out and he he almost said alcohol. He was like alcohol. <laughs> Shows you. I'm sure <laughs> that's exactly what he was doing. Pete. Sure, There's exactly. no doubt in my mind. I was trying to do tummy time with him earlier today. This this is what's new with me, guys. Now, sorry, this is my life. Um, I remember. And he goes, I swear to God, he said, "I can't," and I'm like, "No, no, you can, buddy." And I'm like, "I'm talking to an infant, like in a conversation. <laughs> like, what's what's happening?" It's all good, man. It's all aye, good. Aye. You're gonna do some wacky shit over the next two years, and I'm really I'm excited sure. for it. All right, so with Eric being a returning guest, we will continue with our newest segment, Ball in the Corner Pocket. All right, so this week's topic, uh, we're going to revolve around streaming networks. Now, streaming networks used to be few That's and far between. That's not how I wrote it. No, it's not. Uh, you, had, <laughs> you had the Netflix and the Hulu and some TV networks dipping their toes in the digital waters. 
Now you could argue that we've reached peak saturation becoming seeming because seemingly everyone has their own streaming network now. In today's world, streaming companies are seeing dramatically slower growth and increasing competition, thus creating an unsustainable content war. So as prices of all these services rise and the content itself becomes, in John's opinion, bad as, cab- as bad as cable TV. See, I kept that in, John. It's good. It was funny. Is the age of streaming on the downturn, and where are we watching content right now? I think uh, we kind of have reached our, our peak. Yeah. I think we might see a few more services trickle in at this point, but nothing really that's going to blow anyone's socks off. Uh, I think eventually we are going to start to, I mean, we already see it with Disney, Hulu basically becoming one thing. We're going to see them start merging down. That was wacky. And I was like, why is the bear on <laughs> Disney Plus? <laughs> I, like, I was like, this is weird. I feel weird. I can either watch the bear or yeah. Mary Poppins. And, and I, I think definitely it's going to consolidate down. Um, I've been watching a lot of foreign shows. What kind, what kind of foreign uh, shows? A lot of French and a lot of Turkish shows and a lot of German shows. Hmm. Are you doing? Well, I um, know you know French, but do you know? <laughs> do you know? Can you? What's what is it? Turkish? Uh, is that what they speak yeah. in Turkey? The language. Um, so Turkish, okay. uh, the oh, language I don't much. I'm in my bubble. Um, but because the Ottoman Empire had a long-standing like besties relationship with uh, Russia and Germany, uh, they actually have a lot of German loan words. So every once in a while, like with the subtitles ah. on, but every once in a while, I'm like that. That was a German word. <laughs> do you VPN your Netflix? Not like you would do that actually, like in real life. But like, have you? Yeah, who does that? Thought about using a VPN on your Netflix to get extra shows or different times of uh, types of programming? I, I, in theory, may have done this in, in poss- uh, possibility uh, because I don't want. And we're not suggesting finding something like maybe NordVPN to the listeners. That's a pretty good service to. Uh, possibly no, we, test doing this. If these balls but, could talk, is definitely not condoning using NordVPN for... for no, not a sponsor. But it, do, it does work, and it is cool, and apparently there's a lot of different stuff on Canadian well, not, Netflix. Not, That's what I've heard from our Canadian friends. Do, do like Australian or New Zealand, too, because a lot of the streaming services in North America don't exist elsewhere in the world, so they end up... Netflix ends up buying the rights to a lot of these shows and putting them on... the internationally north america as far as we're concerned researching this topic was really interesting um what i saw which actually surprised me is even though streaming in general is down netflix quarter four this past year uh got 13 million new subscribers which is a record for them yeah i I think one of one of the things they're doing is because they're focusing on international content not just selling north american content internationally actually funding all these new shows in from France, from Turkey. Um, one of the shows I watch, uh, Lupin, is on Netflix. A uh, French show, heist show. Spectacularly done, great production value, amazing cast. Lupin is very good. Mm-hmm. And Money Heist. Have you guys watched Money Heist? Heard it's a it. Spanish language show, I think. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you, though, there also in the streaming world, Two big things have actually come out very, very recently. Uh, and one of them, this is going to be groundbreaking news, potentially, may force me to get a Netflix subscription. 
<gasps> so WWE what? is going to be on Netflix starting next year. Oh, I saw. snap. Well, Which they is need to weird because it was on content. Peacock. And so that's why I had Peacock for a while. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that's no, no. Right, no. So, so Peacock is still going to have the, the pay-per-view events, I believe, or the live premium events. With the, that's what they call it now. I believe it's just Raw that's going to Netflix. Yeah, I know it's just Raw. Really? But, but like also some, some original Netflix, like WWE, like, so maybe that bring like mm-hmm. some of their NXT type stuff uh, and reality, that's pretty scripted cool. reality shows. So I may start, I may get a Netflix subscription. Um, the other big news in the streaming world is that Paramount and Warner Brothers are in talks of merging. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last week. No, the week before. We did. We did. We did. But uh, just kind of a recap, though. I mean, have, think of the repercussions of streaming for that. I mean, that's two big content consumers right there, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and Verizon has deals, uh, package deals with Max now, and uh, Spectrum has deals with Disney. So, I mean, everybody is realizing that they need to team up. And I think really what it comes down to is it's very expensive to run a streaming platform. Um, Like I, we said on the show that we just mentioned, um, I mean, Peacock was happy with a $2 billion loss, but that seems wild to me that they were happy with a $2 billion <laughs> loss on year one. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I th- I'm sure they're making measures to put that in the black. Yeah, it's ta- there's for tax reasons you can <laughs> you can do that. Sure. <laughs> I mean, there was a whole season of the day- uh, of the morning show about how streaming was failing for Peacock for NBC. I mean, like that's what they talked about on the show. So like a real very meta, you know, uh, Ouroboros. Like they're eating their own tail because content has to be good, but good content is expensive. And so the more good content you make, how do you make your money back with a monthly price? And, and we're seeing that they're not making, we're not, they're not making their money back. And so the price just keeps going up, 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 up. They need to get more more ad revenue, obviously. That that's essentially probably where the money has to come from. Or they they just just start selling everyone's data. We got to stop. We got to stop now. But what's really wild is um, we're rewatching Chuck um, back in the day, Chuck Mm -hmm. on, uh, on Max with Jamie. On Max. We said that. And um, Chuck was just a big ad. They did car it was. ads on so Chuck. Many, there were so many product Subway placements. Subway ads on Chuck. I mean, Toyota. are we just toy, Toyota ads? Are we headed that because way where everything is just a product placement ad show? didn't want on air anymore, so it kind of had to pay for itself. Because much This was early. They literally just early. ate a Subway sandwich much season as one. That wasn't just their first season. They did that like all seasons. I have no segue because I was frozen. So pardon me. Consistent content is a challenge for most social media marketers, us included. Um, Alongside the quality of content by brands, whether you create it yourself or share it from another source, audiences are... We're really getting bombarded with stuff. At the same time, we're expecting more and more visually compelling and original content. So the problem is... When many of these things are shared across your feed by like many similar sources, you get 80,000 of the same meme of like Jason Kelsey's naked chest on your, you know, <laughs> your news feed. So is the bombardment of news across our social media feeds a problem? And even more importantly, is it desensitizing us to our overall news and media intake? Like, are we missing things that are actually important? Remember when we'd watch like, this is ABC News with Peter Jennings, and it was like everything. Seems I don't know so how they do broadcast news anymore. Yeah, we're, we're definitely getting stuck in an echo chamber, and it's a self-repeating and self-amplifying echo 
Modern Gamer 2. So it's not just we're getting bombarded with the same thing over and over again. We're getting bombarded the first time. And then in some way it's bigger and better, but it's still the same thing. And it keeps happening again. And again. And, right. Oh, if you think you were bombarded with uh, Jason Kelsey's naked chest, try living in the Philadelphia area. <laughs> I saw that man's nipple so many times this week. Like, so many times. Oh, my God. He was naked on everything. And isn't it, isn't it amazing, though, the fact that, like, so you have the world's biggest pop star in, in attendance at the game. But who was everyone talking about? Jason Kelsey. <laughs> now, I have a question, though. What do you think about that? I mean, we've all, all been that drunk, right? You've been Jason Kelsey Never. at one point Never. or another in your life. But Never. I guess the question is. Never. The parents of these two little girls are incredibly excited that uh, this this big giant naked celebrity picked up their children. But I was like, I don't know if I would be as happy as they were. I think they were happy, not just because it was Jason Kelsey, but also because Jason Kelsey was basically Lion Kinging them to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, yes, right. And and I have to not be one of those people who were like super down on like that was very joyful, incredibly joyful. But like I. I could look at that man and see how drunk he was also. So I'm just like torn. I don't if know. If you think he was drunk at that one, oh. you should see the one, not only the uh, Eagles Super Bowl parade, but also when he literally showed up for the Mummer's Day parade <laughs> as a mummer. <laughs> yeah. That was I don't Those know, fucking I, guys. I completely have fallen into a New Heights rabbit hole, by the way. That show is great. That and show they is pretty are good funny together their socials are great the like the jason kelsey travis kelsey story is really interesting and if you don't know it, you should look into it but they're like just their life together is incredibly interesting and i really like listening to them so like i i know jason kelsey like i've met those guys before those guys that are like that that you know they smell like campfires like you think jason kelsey smells like a campfire right he probably does <laughs> <laughs> But like, it's just super cool that they're so normal and so down to earth. And that was just the most normal thing that a major celebrity, like he's a big sports figure could do the most normal thing. Going back to the whole uh, Jason Kelsey uh, Lion Kinging those kids to, to meet Taylor Swift. I mean, to be, let's be honest, I would allow Jason, drunk Jason Kelsey to do that to me as well. And he could, cause you know, I, I definitely don't weigh as much, uh, or Jason Kelsey could definitely lift me over his head cause he's oh, yeah. just a big, strong man. I mean, he lives, he lives smaller football players above his head. Dude, so McAfee was impressed, like really impressed with how nimble a 280 pound drunk man was getting in and out of that window. Like I couldn't do that. I mean, I'm like, strong. <laughs> 380 no fear. It's just no I fear. Mean, he's not three, I don't think well, no, he's okay, 380. He's but, over 300 though. I mean, but like, I don't think he is. And how really? strong he was. Like, are NFL like centers a, like it's like a seven foot men. window usually, but he can move. He the, Jason Kelsey pulls like a like a guard. He's, he's one of the reasons. I'm looking it up. 280 to 282. It's like I looked it up before. Damn. Good job, research according, department. According to Google, which is the only thing that I do. <laughs> yeah, the internet is never wrong. The internet is never wrong. And to wrap it all up, so I have this problem all the time with so many streaming services available. It can kind of be difficult to find something to watch. So as of May 2023, the percentage of U.S. TV homes with cable has fallen actually under 50% now to 46.4%. 
down 12% from last year. And according to a Nielsen survey from June of last year, audiences now spend an average of 10 and a half minutes searching for something to watch. And so how effective are service algorithms in suggesting content? Do they help users find good content or do they simply reinforce existing biases? Uh, I definitely think they reinforce existing biases because I'm always trying to find something new. So one, I'm definitely bringing up that 10 minute average in terms of the search time for some. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I definitely struggle. And if I just go by the, Hey, you watch this, you might like this. There are times that I'm even like, well, that, how is that even related to that? <laughs> Shut up robots. You don't, you don't <laughs> know me. <laughs> so like, okay, I see how it's related, but it's still not, in my wheelhouse of other stuff that I've watched. There's actually a number of really good lists that you can look up. And I find this all the time because I tell, I, I, I tell you guys all the time. I'm watching, I said this in Mel tonight, I'm watching five things at a time generally, um, which is a lot. I, like, I totally don't have ADHD, right? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. But if you just like look at some of the things like our... My Netflix is a actual literal different color than Melanie's. You look up her profile and it's all rom-coms and kind of girl movies and reality shows. And mine is all like murder stuff and heist stuff and thriller stuff. And it's just like literally a different color. It's like pink and black. And (laughs) it makes it hard because I also have noticed that Netflix likes to hide things. It doesn't want to succeed. So you have to literally look for some shows and it's, the same problem I have with the news media right now, what happens when we're just getting served everything? We're getting served everything in our whole life. I mean, it really makes you wonder, especially in the, in the, in the, in the dawn of the AI age, like, what even is real, right? Yeah, it's the sad part when, like, a random little independent YouTube news person or, like, a Reddit thread is more the truth than like some of the stuff that you're seeing from yeah, national yeah. sources, right? It's that's right, Frozen Pete. I mean, you can definitely <laughs> there's definitely a lot. All, I mean, it's not only our bias, right? It's it's whatever the source's bias is as well. So it's uh, it definitely definitely can happen. Uh, I, now, me personally, I I don't usually I don't take that long to find what I want to watch. I I don't know. I I kind of have a, my own set schedule now of sh- of shows I. I like watching, but it will take me a while to find a movie. Uh, now, there are some general things that I, themes that I uh, watch with movies. I mean, you, you got the comic book movies. Uh, I, I mean, I got rom-coms too. I wouldn't, John, I wouldn't be surprised if, if I had Netflix that my feed would be a lot like yours and Melanie's combined. But, <laughs> That's uh, amazing. And, and, but a lot of times it's stuff that, you know, you just, you've seen over and over again, and you don't necessarily want to see more of it or something like it. So it, it just takes me like a while, some, especially usually just a movie though. If I want to just, I'm in the mood to watch a movie and I was like, I don't really know what I want to watch. And I've, I think I've actually, there was one time I spent like an hour looking for a movie. Well, what's really interesting now too, is that everything worth watching on Max is on Netflix. Everything. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was just like, oh, shit, Aquaman's on Netflix. Weird. And again, we're back to uh, the Discovery CEO. I forget his fucking name, but like just not wanting to run a streaming network. He's like, it's expensive and I don't want to do it. And definitely like my struggle for searching for shows. Like if I know that like a big prestige show, like when Echo came out, I knew right away that we were going to, that I was going to watch Echo. 
and did in a day and a half. Uh, but when it's when I'm when I'm kind of in between those type of like big releases in terms of shows, and I'm just like I want something to pass the time. I struggle. Now, once I land on something, if I really like it, mm. then I just go right back to it, go to the next episode. And then I have the problem of, well, I just binged through that. Uh, now what do I do? I just <laughs> did all two seasons of Welcome to Wrexham in, in a week. Ah, oh, that fucking show. I also, I don't know. Also, nice. Wow. also made me realize that, that my seasonal affective disorder was hitting really hard. So it's like, why am I weeping for a football show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a great oh. finale right you build this show into a season two where they win their division in the end of it you're just like fucking spoiler awesome. alert <laughs> i mean we know that because it's real life everybody knows that bye pete hope he comes back sad pete mark you're in the wrong hole now we're just gonna deal with it i'm not fixing it we're so just gonna, gonna deal again. with it we're just gonna we're deal, just with, gonna it. deal with it Live you guys media. marks right. in two places at once are we ready to kick off this shindig? Hell yeah. First topic. So this weekend is arguably the one with the most competitive NFL games of the year. After last week's games, the 49ers barely fought off the Packers. The Lions continued to be the bells of the ball after beating the JV team known as the Bucks. That's a lot of alliteration there that I did not intentionally <laughs> do. Uh, the Chiefs eked by the Bills after a last second missed field goal, which we'll probably talk about a little later. And the Ravens spanked the Texans with Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. So, everyone, do we feel like the Ravens and 49ers are destined for the Super Bowl after the NFL divisional round, or are we going to get surprised? I mean, I don't think the Lions winning is a surprise. I think the Lions, I'm, I'm, right? We talk about it all the time. Um, the Niners barely won, and the Lions keep winning impressively. Mm -hmm. Impressively, honestly. Mm -hmm. And... The Lions have the added fact that they have the whole of Michigan behind them. Like, everyone. oh, it's more than Michigan. It's more I mean, than it's Michigan. every right. You've seen those memes where they don't want yeah the the whole the whole country wants the Lions to win. I want the Lions to win. The Lions are a cool story. Eminem talking to Matt Stafford last week and being like, "Hey, man, seriously, I rap for you. You just got to let them win because they got to win." It was awesome. It's an awesome story. They're a cool team. They're so young. They're so exciting. I think that the Lions have a really good shot. Honestly, I uh, our, our discussions last week about DraftKings, I re-upped my DraftKings account, and I bet on the Lions. I bet on the Lions and the Ravens this weekend. Uh, I think, I think yay, A, the Lions have a really good shot. And I think what we're learning is the NFC North was a lot better than we realized. Yeah, how well the Packers did as just a youngest team in the playoffs to get a win, and it gave. I think the Lions were the second yeah. youngest, and so I I would not be surprised to see. I do kind of feel like the Ravens are preordained on the. Hey guys, Craig's going to join the, the podcast AFC while Pete's side, not here. Okay, I would not be surprised to see. I personally, I've been a Lions fan ever since Barry Sanders was on the Lions. Barry Sanders, to, to me, is the all-time greatest running back. I know there's a lot of people that would say Walter Payton or Jim no, Brown. Barry no, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is my number one running back all of day, all man. time. Yes. I'm still mad to this very day at Bobby Ross because I think Bobby Ross was the one that forced oh. Barry Sanders to retire 
because he was a grumpy old man and Barry Sanders didn't like him. So Barry's like, oh, fuck it. I'm taking my ball and leave. He definitely returned. However, I have a giant hatred for Jared Goff. <laughs> I do not like Jared. All right. All right. As a quarterback, I don't know him personally. He's probably a good person. He's just a god-awful quarterback, okay? The Patriots, they, they, they showed his true colors back in 2019 because the Rams only scored three points that, that Super Bowl, that dreadful 10-3 to Super Bowl. <laughs> and, listen, a good defense is going to stifle Jared Goff. Uh, I, the, the Niners have a good defense, but they don't have a very good secondary. I think that's the Packers were not a very good matchup for the Niners. I think that's why the Niners struggled with them. That and, and, and apparently uh, Purdy does not like wet balls. Who does? <laughs> so I think it was a bad matchup for for the Niners. I think the Lions will give them a fight. But I, I think Jared Goff is going to be do Jared Goff things. And all of a sudden, he's, he's probably going to throw like three interceptions against the Niners. So I, I think the Niners mm -hmm. are going to do it. And the Ravens are just a team of destiny right now. I mean, nobody's beating the Ravens. I don't think. Yeah, I think. The, Heart stop. I don't think anyone can beat the Ravens. Nobody's beating the Ravens. The Ravens um, and, and all year the Ravens have been like this. Mm -hmm. There's no way to effectively guard the Ravens. I know, and they're beating all the best teams by by double digits too. Because, like, right, if you don't guard the line, the Ravens beat you. Even though their running back is Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson's there, and if you guard the pass, all of these young receivers are incredible. Isaiah Likely is incredible. They're all so good. Just, I mean, imagine if Mark Andrews was playing this season. How could they be? Like, I just. It's crazy to think how good the Ravens are playing right now. I would really like a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl because I think the Lions are really exciting. I mean, I think that... It'd be a god-awful Super Bowl. Uh, shut <laughs> up. I think of It'd all like the skill... It'd be like 50 to 3. I think of all the... I don't think so. I think of oh, all the I skill players so. that are playing in the playoffs, I think Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown are really on the top. I think... Mm -hmm. I'm Honestly, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is probably the most interesting wide receiver this season yes. because like great catches and really intelligent play and like very good route running. Like he does a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. The Niners are very good. I'm just, I was surprised that they barely beat the Packers. Honestly, I wasn't. I mean, I, the Pack the had I had a DraftKings account, I would have picked the, uh, the, uh, I think the Niners were favored by like 10 and a half. I would definitely pick the Packers on for that one. The Even Packers the always rain. beat the Cowboys. The Packers are supposed to beat the Cowboys every season. That's their destiny. <laughs> but, I mean, they played the Niners tight. And I'm sorry. I am still not convinced about Brock Purdy. No, he's, he's, de he's definitely not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He definitely makes some bonehead decisions. He's, got a, he's, he's, a, he's a system quarterback. That's what he is. You know what I am convinced about, though? George Kittle. George Kittle is the coolest guy in the NFL. There needs to be a podcast with George Kittle and, and Jason Kelsey and, and Travis <laughs> yes, Kelsey, I there think. Does, there does. He needs to just, he needs to be like, hey, listen, man, I'm super cool and I live in San Francisco and look at my hair and my wife's super cool. They apparently, um, George Kittle and his wife, they met in college and she was on the basketball team. Oh. I learned that today from social media. It is. Pete, you're back. I got to get rid of Craig. Craig had a lot of really interesting <laughs> shit to say. Did he? <laughs> he no. did. He, he really did. Oh. Craig's an asshole. 
<laughs> Shit, I left the thing open. Hey, everybody who's listening, I'm sorry. I'm being a terrible producer today, but I'm drinking no, a it's, lot it's of No, it's not your fault. I'm being a terrible... Really I'm being a terrible not producer today. A terrible co-host? You're doing fine, I but am. you rebooted your router now because your IT guy said to, so that might help. I did. I rebooted my computer. We'll, we'll see I'm doing happens. awesome as normal. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Eric, you're doing a phenomenal well, job, too, by yes, the way. Yes, thank you, Eric. You're carrying, I'm, I'm carrying the show. <laughs> Continue to carry the podcast, Eric. This Leave is what back. we ask of you. Now, I just honestly, Pete, I hope that Craig... I mean, Craig is great, and I have an incredible amount of faith in Craig, but I hope Craig figures your shit out, man. I hope so, too, because <laughs> otherwise... <laughs> Rook duke juking my way into this next topic, Barry Sanders style. So, first, Pete, I want to offer my condolences. Um... But you know we have to talk about it. After a rocky season of ups and downs, the Bills ended the season with an, Im- with an impressive five-game winning streak and breezed through the first round of the playoffs. Sorry, Eric. Wait. Um, sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. It was the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he had to travel for a playoff game, and unfortunately, the result was still the same. Um, yeah. So after a fifth straight playoff defeat, in the prime years of the best player the Bills have had this century, what needs to change in Buffalo? And more importantly, can the Bills win when all decisions go through their head coach and not their Hall of Fame quarterback? Go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just numb to it at this point. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's like the Cowboys so. all over again, man. You just you went from one shitty thing to another shitty thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm leaving. That's 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 what's going on. But we're just so we're John. Just, you're you're implying that Josh Allen should be making should be doing the play calls as opposed to the the head coach. I'm implying that, and and I am implying that Josh Allen, who should be in charge of a lot of decision making in Buffalo, the play that he did this year, should go into the head off the head uh, the the GM's office and the head coach's office, and he should literally just put his dick on the table and say, "Listen, guys." We need to get the fuck. We need to get the fuck up, and we need to really like figure our shit out because I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Like, right? Okay, so I, I definitely you know share that sentiment, but thinking about this logically a little bit, um, <laughs> Sean, while definitely not in the upper, I, I would say he's not in the upper tier of coaches. I'd say he's fine, right? He he's your he's like your your average starting quarterback like he's good enough to be there he has a good enough roster he has josh allen so he's not going anywhere he, he's good enough to not get fired so we're we're, we're stuck well, with sean maybe he should be because he's not fucking andy reed Andy well, reed beats him every goddamn year i know if they have a good offensive coordinator and this is where i'm hopeful that we have john uh, joe brady with as the OC, who we know has been brilliantly minded with offensive stuff uh, with LSU back in the day. Part of the reason, well, two, I'd say two reasons that he can't do what he, you know, recreate that magic that he did uh, as a college coordinator then. One is he took over more than halfway through the season, for one. Um, and even Josh Allen, frankly, said too that like they didn't have Joe Brady's offense installed. Joe Brady was picking and choosing of the pieces that were left from Ken Dorsey and trying to make it work. Uh, he, he basically cobbled together a working offense from just a couple things that he thought were okay from the old offensive scheme that was already installed. Um, so that's reason number one. Reason number two, they need fucking receivers. 
Sorry, game yes. is. Did you guys see the video of um a big group of Buffalo fans heckling Gabe Davis and he lost his temper and he like started cursing oh. at them all? <gasps> I heard something about that, yeah. And yeah. I mean it sucks that like Gabe was hurt, right? I'm sure he would have helped them. The problem is he doesn't help enough and not consistently enough. He's an awesome, like, stretch the field, bring him out once in a while, WR four when everybody else is covered. Yeah, I think that's why he loved being in Ken Dorsey's offense, right? Because essentially Ken Dorsey just kept calling four verticals and Gabe was, that was Davis yeah. was like, I'm on it. Well, can we talk while Pete's frozen? Can we talk about how Andy Reid saw literally like he was looking at McDermott's playbook, that fake punt to DeMar Hamlin at the end of that game? That's a great question. I mean, he, he just it literally he didn't even bring out the receiving team. He knew they were going to call it. He knew where it was going to go. Like he knew the whole play. The whole play it was a worthless oh. fake punt. I mean, we haven't really well looked at tendencies from the Bills, so I, I don't know if that's a, if he just knew because McDermott would just do it. And then why would why would McDermott still go through with the play after seeing that too? Right, and and that's what even the announcers are like. the uh, The defensive scheme has adjusted. They know there's a fake punt coming, and McDermott just does it anyway. And so, like, I'm postulating by this question that McDermott is the problem. I think. Honestly, and and Pete said it, he's a perfectly good regular season quarterback. And honestly, if the Bills and coach. Buffalo or co co coach, if the Bills and Buffalo are happy with the divisional round, they win the divisional every year until Josh Allen retires. When you have a, a quarterback that talent, Josh Allen shouldn't be happy with just the divisional round. Yeah, you shouldn't be. They're not going to get a better quarterback in a long time. That man is a monster. Well, I, th I think the Ravens have kind of shown what you need. You need the talent around your really good quarterback, right? Because this is the first year Lamar Jackson has been Lamar Jackson because he actually has weapons to throw to now. So I mean, Zay many. Flowers is phenomenal. And yeah, like Isaiah likely has, has been a, a, a good tight end for him in re uh, replacing Mark, Mark Andrews. I mean, before it was just essentially just Mark Andrews that he could throw to. Yeah. OBJ yeah. has made contributions as well. Yeah. They're really, really fun to watch. And, and, and Pete's right. And Pete's been saying it all season. All season. Hey, Pete, welcome back. Um, hey, yeah, sorry, guys. Didn't fix right, the problem. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll just... We buffaloed we're, without we're, you, Pete. We buffaloed That's a little fine. bit. Out. Uh, I brought up the fact that um, McDermott just got out coached with that fake punt to DeMar Hamlin that everybody saw coming. Even I saw coming. I was surprised they did it because... Not that it was like, oh, you fooled me, but because why the why the fuck were you doing that? They didn't fool anybody. <laughs> Nobody and was fooled okay. anybody. If it's fourth down and three, why are you leaving the fate of the universe in Damar Hamlin's hands, who's a defensive, a fourth string defensive safety? I'm. It's incredible that he's on the field for one. Okay, <laughs> all of that aside, of all the stuff that he went through last year and, and overcame, which was amazing. Why is he getting the ball to carry it like a running back on a fake punt in the middle of the most important game of your season? Right. Why Literally is Josh Allen not line. just why is Josh Allen not just bulldozing ahead for that? Right. Like, right. I don't exactly understand right. this. Like do a, do the fucking um the the the, the what what did you call it last the, week? The snowplow. The, uh, the, the snow do the, no, the snowplow. The bobsled. The bobsled. Do, yeah. Do, do the bobsled. Just do the damn bobsled. So to end this topic, I just want to say that while Josh Allen is wasting his golden years, um, I think he's a really stand up guy. 
um, there was a number of videos that he uh, made sure that he waited in in the in the exit for Tyler Bass, and he gave him a hug before he left. Um, I think that the treatment of Tyler Bass this week is completely unfair. Um, apparently, there is a cat charity that um, he donates that he kind of donates to that a bunch of Chiefs fans donated to, and he got a bunch of death threats on, which is wildly un uncool. Um, but like. I think that Josh Allen is a real serious leader. I mean, he's what Buffalo needs. We just got to put all the other pieces there. Pete, before we go, did you yeah. get Scott Norwood flashbacks with that, that field goal? Fuck, man. No. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, because if it was for the win and there was like one second left, Still yes, right. I would have. <laughs> yeah, but it, it did. No, them deciding to kick their loss than the game already. They would have made it. Mahomes would have marched right down the field and scored a kick to field goal to take the lead, and they would have I mean, done it, it by He's leaving Patrick one Mahomes, second left in the clock. Would have. Yeah, he right. Definitely and they would have taken exactly what was it, one forty-four left in the clock when they kicked it. They would have taken one forty-three to do it because that's how good and how just amazing and magical they are. Apparently, well, that's how good so. Andy Reid is and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, and the rest Mahomes, of the team. Right. The rest of the team is sure. just fine. I mean, Mahomes ended. Mahomes ended the season QB eight. I mean, he didn't sure. even no. end QB five. But what pisses QB8. me off is they struggled all season. They had a terrible offense all season. They were below average below until average. that fucking game. And Andy Reid. Andy Reid always saves stuff for the playoffs. It's just, but he, their first game though, I don't even think they really did much. They still kind of struggled against Miami. Granted, it was negative six degrees out in Miami. Froze. <laughs> and that's why they won that. But like, <laughs> of course, of course, their perfect offensive game, the best one they do all season, they save for Buffalo because of course, it's just one, one year with like oh, to gonna gonna kick their ass. one year <laughs> where it just works out. I'm going to piss Once. you off a little more and I forget his name, but uh, I just read it today. Um, the NFL has assigned the referees for this weekend's game and the referee they assigned for the Baltimore game is a notoriously anti-home referee because even though the NFL is inscripted, it's a little scripted, and they oh, really, yeah. really want a Taylor versus Eminem Super Bowl. They really do. How so great stupid. would that be? So marketable. I hope they lose a shit ton of ratings because everyone's sick of the Chiefs at this point. And nothing against their too. organization. They're amazing. It's just, it's getting boring. Yeah. Same fucking team every year. I don't need that. Right. How about Lamar gets to a Super Bowl? He's never I been. And in person at work about this. I would love. I would have loved a Texans Lions Super Bowl. How great would that would have been? Texans that, Lions. I mean, I would have preferred Bills Lions, but you know, <laughs> Bills Lions would have been cool too. Like all these two, like 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 guaranteed first time down winner homes, down home cities, like right. coming together, like first time you, winner, like yeah, cool guaranteed you'd have too. a first time winner. But I mean, hey, you know, Baltimore. It's been a while for them. This is this would be Lamar's first, so I'm I'm he, I'm rooting for Baltimore one, all the way. Baltimore versus Lions. He, let's go. Next topic. So with Eric on the program, he's probably going to be the one with the best frame of reference with this next topic, being a Steelers fan. In the past few weeks, we've seen iconic coaches Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Pete Carroll part ways with the organizations that will ultimately define their coaching careers, whether that decision was made on their own or not. And this happens in more than just the sports world with Steve Jobs at Apple, Bill Gates at Microsoft, and myself with the greatest softball team of all time in the Albany Awesomes. True story. Albany Awesomes forever. 
The Steelers own the patented mold on how to replace Hall of Fame coaches, having only three head coaches in their illustrious career. Amazing. Three head coaches. So everyone, but primarily Eric, how should an organization proceed after an iconic figurehead leaves? Um, uh, generally, you have to look outside the organization and you have to go young. That's what the Steelers did with Cowher. That's what they did with Tomlin. And both Cower and Tomlin got them a Super Bowl. Obviously, not as many as the four as Chuck Knoll got them. But and when they got Chuck Knoll, Chuck Knoll was outside the organization. He was young until Chuck Knoll. They were an absolutely hapless, completely. They're they an organization that did not win football games. I was going to say that the Steelers were a joke before them, and all of a sudden they become the superpower of the '70s in the NFL. Thank you, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. Football. Yeah. And the, and the, and the steel curtain. The Let's steel curtain. Yeah. Steel. <laughs> Let's say it was more that. So you you think they should go young? Uh, which, so that's essentially what Alabama and the Patriots have done with their. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know how co- uh, the the new Alabama coaches. Uh, his name is Kalen DeBoer. I mean, he's relatively young. He's definitely yeah, a lot younger well, than Saban. That's not a high <laughs> bar uh, there, but no, he he's on the young side for for a head coach, even in co- in the college ranks. And so Michigan, I know now Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is not exactly a, and I like on the same level as Belichick, Saban, and, and even Pete Carroll for that matter. You can argue Pete Carroll's not on the same level as the other two, but they, they have to, I mean, Michigan just won us uh, a championship uh, after so many years. So totally now they have cheating. to replace like a pretty big name. What was that, John? Totally not by cheating. Totally not by cheating. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> totally not by I mean, cheating at all. That's right, you can cheat legally in the NFL. (laughs) You get caught. um, Apparently, they really sucked at cheating. I don't know. He's even going to be... I mean, I don't even know if the Chargers are going to be that good next year. I mean, Austin Eckler was a complete disappointment this season. You could draft a running back. I mean, they could. I mean... Could. I mean, they're not going to because Austin Eckler is one of the faces of the organization. Did they sign him long-term? He's not Staley. Not Staley. I think that makes the Chargers... And base at least very happy. They've made a lot of they've made a lot of bad moves lately too. I mean they they signed J C Jackson to this huge contract and then they they just dump him back to the Patriots, which I can't find. And as much they uh, wasting Josh Allen, it really feels like the Chargers are wasting hmm. Herbert. I think that um, Sean Payton says it, and when he benched Ross, even though the Ross benching had a little bit of the drama behind it, but like coaches feel like this magic bullet for some teams, but Sean Payton said it when he meant trust. I can't bench all the wide receivers. I can't bench the entire O-line. I, I can't change these big parts of these very expensive like products, which are these teams that are put together with all these professional athletes doing all these very important jobs. So like getting a new coach is one of those things that is really easy to do. And honestly, for a team that fails, firing a coach is another thing that's just really easy to do. If you look at a team and and to what Eric said, like the the Dolphins, who definitely fail this year, but are fun to watch and exciting. Mike McDermott's really very interesting. Uh, McDaniels, Mike McDaniels. Uh, McDaniels, Mike McDaniels. He's really very interesting. Um, he was really He's the most cool interesting coach in, in, in all He's of sports, so I think. Fun- I agree. I, he's so fun to watch. His his attitude with his players is great. When they lost, his after speech was so heart 
just yeah. heartwarming. Yeah. He cried. He's like, listen, we don't want to be here like this, but we have a lot of good things going on. So, I mean, I think like an invested coach is a really important part. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. And I find it interesting that uh, Eric's point of view, like as a young and outside of the organization. So the Patriots did, did one of those two things. So they they did he they now have the youngest head coach in the NFL, Gerard Mayo, but he was a former Patriot and has been a Patriot coach for the last oh god, I think it's been six or seven years. I forget how how many it is. Uh, I, I'm we we mentioned this last week, I believe. Uh, I, I thought it was very smart for him to have a succession clause in that contract. So if Belichick were to to leave, he automatically gets the head coach job. That's that's definitely something you don't hear. Is that what happened all the time? That's what happened. Yeah. Building on this part, the reason I say outside of the organization, not just young, is when you have that iconic coach like you had. Chuck Knoll, you had a Bill Cower. When you have that iconic, just they've been around, they're part of the furniture. What also happens is any ideas this new coach has that aren't part of that, especially especially as far further and further you get from that base of what that iconic coach did. They have a lot of inertia fighting against them to do what they want to do. Whereas if you just go outside the organization, bring in a new staff, totally, no one's going to think too much. Square one, right? It'll be certainly interesting to see what happens in, in, uh, in New England and Alabama. Yeah, it was interesting to see like all the, the players that quickly left in the transfer portal from Alabama. So, yeah. It- you go to Alabama to play with Nick Saban to get into the NFL. So what happens when Nick Saban leaves? (laughs) I go to George. I play for Kirby Smart. Exactly. Rock and roll. Except who knows if Stenson Bennett even plays next season. He didn't play one snap this year. Didn't even practice. What team was he on? He is a Ram. So so was he like on the practice squad the whole year? Uh, He did not even play on the practice squad pre-preseason. He was put on Pup and he never came back. And uh, they said... We are supportive of Stenton, Stenton and all his endeavors, but he has an issue and we're just going to let him do that. So there's some social thing going on. You're a 400 year old rookie. <laughs> yeah, 400 year old rookie. Exactly. He's just going to get a little older. He's going to totally help. <laughs> totally and completely. Next topic. So we're going to keep it in, Pen- in Pennsylvania. So it turns out you need to be tall and strong to play center in the NBA. <laughs> um, so this past amazing, right? Who would have thought? So this past week, Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP, dominated the paint, and poor skinny Victor Wembanyama on Monday night, posting a career high seventy points, eighteen rebounds, and five assists. The huge night and scoring mark set a new Seventy Sixers record, passing Wilt Chamberlain in the process, which is incredible. Um, yeah, he so, didn't. He didn't. You know, well, <laughs> He, he scored more points. He definitely did. He scored more than Wilt scored for the Sixers, not more than Wilt scored in Philly. Yes, for the Sixers. He was, when he scored the 100, he was on the Warriors. Yes. Yes. Thank you for the insight. I appreciate the both of you. So in a welcome to the NBA moment for the ages, I think the first clear answer answer is Wembenyama needs to bulk up. It isn't exactly the magic bullet that the last place 8 and 35 Spurs desperately needed. So what are our thoughts about Embiid's performance? 
the state of the Spurs. Is this the year of the 76ers to finally beat the Red Hot Celtics? Nope. Next question. (laughs) 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 So uh, what's kind of funny was when Embiid first came into the league, he was essentially in one Bayama's position. He was the tall, skinny guy. He he was gonna hurt a lot too. Like when he was in Kansas, I don't think he really played all that much because he was hurt a lot. And then his first two years in the on the Sixers didn't play that much because he was hurt. He he was he was skinny. Uh, maybe not again. Not Wembanyama skinny, but he he needed to bulk up. So he this his first few years. That's what he ultimately did. And yeah, now he's a beast. And. Essentially, and now it's funny to me the fact that yeah they just kept pounding it down low to to Embiid and during that game against Wemanyama, you'd think ho- future Hall of Fame head coach uh, of, of the Spurs would have done something to maybe change that, but I don't oh, know. He tried. He tried. He couldn't think of anything. That game, you watch that game, it was so sad. They're just like you just double them all the time. <laughs> but they were. They were double teamed them the whole game. They just yeah. couldn't figure it out. I don't know. I think that I think that the NBA is really funny. I think that actually, um, to talk about my Knicks, the Knicks have learned that you need, just like Mark has been saying for a full year, you need more than one big man. So OG Anube getting him this season has made the Knicks a real powerhouse. The Knicks destroyed um, what's a face Denver tonight. They beat them by like forty points, like a really good team. I think that power and to be able to just drop the ball down and drop the ball down and drop the ball down yeah. and get offensive rebounds. I mean, I think it's really important, actually, to have some guys that are just stronger than the other guys. I, I've said this. I've said this before. I don't know if it's been on the show, but I mean, the NBA right now is going a resurgence with guards and just shooting nothing but three pointers. And the way I think to counteract that is you just get a large man, pound it down low and essentially... You're, he's who's going to make like 70, 80, maybe even 90% of your two point bat buckets. That's still better than, than half of your, your three pointers. And if you can't defend that because you just have a bunch of skinny guys that, you know, <laughs> two, two of the spurs like soaking wet, probably still uh, way less than Embiid Cause he's just a tank. Probably. Now. probably. What do you think about the, the 76ers this year? Uh, uh, unfortunately, I have to agree with Mark that no, they're not going to beat the Celtics in the playoffs. The, the Sixers are not built for the playoffs. Uh, they're they're a great regular no, season team because Embiid is a fucking beast. Um, you can only ride mm-hmm. a single player so long in the playoffs, even as great as Embiid is. It's just not a sustainable model. Uh, they don't have enough talent around him to really do anything uh, significant. They have a good amount of good talent, amount. but they need they need yeah, more, no, they, right? Like Maxi is turning out to be no, a Max- really good player. Tobias Harris is a really good role player. Uh, they got, they got, they got Harris. I mean, the Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference in the NBA is really no, is interesting right now. Player, right? Um, Maxi was pretty high, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't think they have enough. Yeah. You actually do need. You need more depth. No, you need more depth. John, what were you saying? I don't remember. <laughs> oh no, I remember now. Oh no, yeah, the Eastern Conference is stacked. The Eastern Conference stacked. is stacked. You have the really Celtics that are very, number one. Very good. What's what's all oh, this? This was uh, breaking news that we d- we didn't really we we're not going to pro- probably talk about, but we probably should talk about the Bucks, who were the number two team, fired their head coach and replaced Wild, them with Doc right? Rivers, the Wait, second best team, the second in the best league, team in the league. Decided they were going to fire their head coach. Damn. Yeah, like halfway through the season. They felt like that their team Whoa. should needed to be better, 
and the guy that they were did it that they just hired last year. They have two extra head coaches on the payroll now that they, they just fired. One of them they won a title with two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and the other one they gave him 43 games to, to try it right. out. 43 games. And now they and replace them with a, a very good coach in Doc Rivers. However, does not have the best playoff history. Uh, he is actually a very lost- good basketball name, though. Yes, that's also very helpful. Uh, by the way, he also went to Marquette, which is in Milwaukee. So people in Milwaukee know who he is. So it's kind of a sentimental uh, favorite mm-hmm. for him to be there as well. But uh, I mean, do I think the Bucks are going to win the title with uh, with Doc Rivers now? No, no. I think honestly, um, and because I'm a fanboy, but I mean, I think honestly, the state of the current Knicks makes me really excited to be. I just want to talk about um, the Knicks. They're not. They're not going <laughs> to win anything. Talk- well, they're winning win everything. They're beating everybody. They're maybe they'll win the congeniality doing... award, but uh, that's uh, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> OJ Nubay is gonna uh, is gonna uh, slam dunk ball in your face. That dude Probably. is awesome. I'm short. <laughs> that dude is awesome. He's a seven foot small forward who can shoot and rebound. I mean, that's the thing the Knicks were missing. And I'm, I I I was just talking to my brother, hey Peter, about this. The Knicks, at least now really remind me of a version they of do a not very, that rough and tumble and they rebound and they fight and i think that they're very good and i think that jalen brunson is amazing and he got screwed not being in the all-star game just saying not starting in the all-star game sorry i think we're gonna leave it on that jalen brunson's <laughs> the best we're at time you guys have nothing to say next topic so we're going political, people, but in the way that only oh, if fuck. these balls could talk can do it. It was reported last week that robocalls were going out to a bunch of New Hampshire voters in light of the upcoming primary election. Now, the attorney general for the Granite State has launched an investigation to the matter. Interestingly enough, the number that showed up on these robocalls was the cell phone number of the former state Democratic Party chair. This is also just one example of the multiple defects we've seen thus far with this upcoming presidential race including DeSantis putting out a photo of Trump acting nice and chummy with Dr. Fauci and an artist creating photos of politicians kissing a mistress. So, everyone, what sorts of consequences should there be for these robocalls in New Hampshire with AI Joe Biden telling people not to vote? And do the many attempts of deepfakes prove there needs to be some sort of regulation? I think that we have a real inflection that at least the show has, and, and probably a lot of other people, but we've been talking about for a while, where the, the difference between what you can do and what you should do in a political standpoint is going to be really to come in question, right? I know the stuff that me, just an average guy, can generate from AI, and it's impressive. And so somebody with a payroll and a budget and professionals, I mean, it's really actually kind of frightening. It's the thing we were talking about a little earlier. I mean, once we can't tell what's real, how do we know? How do we know? I don't know. I'm scared. It's a really dark timeline that we live in right now. Definitely the darkest timeline. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why you have to. What do you think, Eric? Each like critical evaluation skills. Uh, know, understand both history, uh, understand the current stances of everyone. Like, find like the pub, the repub, the published platforms. Find like. This is what they stand for. But nobody's going to do that. No. No one. 
five percent of the population the of the five million people that live in America. Important skills, right? Well, if we mm-hmm. want, if we want to save our democracy for the for future generations, we have to start teaching people how to find that stuff. I think I'm going to play devil's advocate on this, though. Like, <laughs> can we? Really, you're right. It's we? hard, right? For, with with, it's hard to track these kind of stuff, right? But. I there's certain Got things that are happening that, the, again, the whole DeSantis campaign put out a smearing uh, picture or set of pictures of Trump. And um, but he's not going to face any consequences for that. Why isn't that defamation to character? Right. This I mean, Trump loves to sue people. But the only reason why he's not going to is now DeSantis is in, I, in his back pocket. And he's I like, can't I with Trump. that being I can't with that being a smear campaign. You know, who it's Trump knows. A smear. All right, well, how about he the one- knows a doctor who likes to cure people <laughs> from diseases? All right, all right, but I'm, but you get my point that though, means, right? Like someone can just create. Yeah, from their perspective, it's kind of a smear campaign. But still, anyone can create anything, and now people are just doing it blatantly. And but again, what's what? Why why? What's the reason for them not to do it? I mean, there's no reason not to do it. There's no reason not to do it. Twenty. 16 Trump proved to us that if you appealed to the lowest common denominator in America, you would be successful. And the thing that the Republican primary is seeing right now is the Trumpers are so powerful and so multitudinal that they can't even get a second word and nobody gives a shit. Nobody in the whole Republican primary gives a shit. He's going to win every state for fun, for fun. And that's terrifying. Because he's literally a federal criminal. He's a traitor. And I mean, like, he's literally, like, if he was born in the 18th century, they would already have put him to death. It's, it's literally amazing the fact that after uh, those, the, the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary, there's only two candidates on the Republican ballot. That's kind of amazing. And, and Nikki Haley's still there just because she's stubborn. She, she's not. Yeah, well, I think she's she not also quitting f- because she, she should quit, but she's not, but she should. I feel like she also she's kind of playing she's she's being trying to be patient doing the waiting game because I think she thinks that eventually one of these trials for Trump is going to, you know, do something. I, I mean, we, we know that yeah, we know that a lot support. of people, again, are still going to support Trump regardless of 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 what he what he does well, and, some and will what get he says. More, and I think if he gets convicted and more indictments come down. And nothing's really going to before Super Tuesday anyway. Do you think she's hanging to be the most logical candidate no. for VP? No. No, you don't? No. You don't, you, don't, you don't think the Republicans would ever allow that? I think it's a smart choice for Trump, honestly. Oh, I think it would be too, but I think he's going to pick Stephanie. Tim Scott. Yeah, maybe. Well, especially, I mean, I mean, she's obviously campaigning hard for it. Um, she was, what, like yeah. the 10th most bipartisan uh, member of the House when she first joined the House, and now she's like the hundred and tenth most bipartisan because she's. I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see Trump having a woman as his running mate, though. I really don't. I mean, I see him doing that, though. I mean, he needs to ease out his base a little bit. Just like he needs to appeal to the thing that made him lose in twenty twenty. If he ever has, I mean, he the, the problem. The problem is that Biden is Biden, but I mean, if the the Democrats get their shit together. He's not going to win again because he just seems like a monster because he's a monster. Yeah. I think he has too much hubris and too much chauvinistic tendencies to 
have a woman running mate and his his crazy ass followers that he created and now he's probably scared shitless of actually secretly or at least has zero he doesn't care about them at all but they won't realize that um they wouldn't right but like he actually they, told them it's like you should die sort of vote right for me. yeah pretty much vote for me and die please <laughs> what a great way to go yeah um <laughs> they won't support him with a female running mate is the problem they'd be like that's gonna ruin america and then ah, i don't i don't know they're they're you know, he's got some such blind loyalists that i think they're gonna they'll, they'll uh, yeah, support regardless right. i just just ba- I just basically okay. everything that that i've seen from trump i just don't think he's gonna pick a woman running mate mm-hmm. i just don't come on shake about it baby do next topic all right so to keep it sort of where we're at um three ivy league universities along with several other top schools have agreed to settle a case brought by a group alleging the institutions conspired to collectively consider how much financial aid to offer students, allegedly focusing on the wealthier ones. So the largest settlements were agreed by Columbia and Duke at $24 million each, as well as Brown, Yale, and Emory, and a prior settlement by the University of Chicago and a pending one with Vanderbilt for a total of $118 million collected overall. Um, so schools are mandated, obviously, to be need blind to adhere to that statute. And while schools are denying any wrongdoing and confirming they are settling to get the cases dismissed, it feels to me that they are, were caught taking advantage of loopholes in current laws. And so in what seems to me to be a pretty egregious equity problem, do we think this is a practice from most, if not all, of colleges as well? How can we control schools' financial aid responsibilities to its students? This is an interesting one. I mean, there's a lot of things that that's kind of wrong with, with our colleges, right? The fact that no one can really afford to go anymore. Everyone's coming back with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth worth of debt, and for what? Like, are they getting their their money's worth? I mean, I think I think all of us were complaining about our big college loans after uh, after w- when we went to to Rensselaer. Um, and can you imagine going there now? Do you guys know how much it is to go there now? Is it in the sixties? Yeah, it's it's more I than twice as know. much as what is it uh, what it was when we went there. I can't even imagine. I mean, it almost doubled while we were there. Yeah. Could any of us afford to go there if we went there now? <laughs> I can't no. afford shit, so it's fine. I can't afford anything. We're keeping humans alive here over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're hungry and they like things. It's incredible how much they like. I bring it up, this question, because I really am very interested in the equity aspect of it. Um, I think that for a school like Yale to kind of pick and choose its student body and try to save a dollar by giving money to students that don't need the money to begin with is a real problem. I mean, it's a real problem. Have you guys ever seen those equity memes where they're like, they have a hundred people and they line up on a field and they start asking them questions. Do you have a single mother? Do you have a single father? Um, Did you go to high school? Did you go to college? Did you finish high school? Did you finish college? And every time you answer yes to a question, um, you get to step forward. And if you don't, obviously you don't. And then it's a running race, right? It's like, after the running race, after where you're positioned, after these hundred questions, like, it, do you feel like this is fair? And that's kind of the way that I like to explain to Jamie about equity. College, while being very important, isn't accessible for everyone. No, nope. and, and these really are private sad. organizations too. Yeah, private organizations. I mean, in a lot of respects, they can about, do what they want, right? Right, they can do whatever they want. But like, if you went to Harvard and you went to the University of um, Samoa, you know, 
I mean, like, who am I going to pick to get a job, right? I mean, it just I don't know. Samoa's pretty up. nice. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the university. I forget it, but that's the university that Saul goes to in Better Call Saul. He like gets a he gets an online law degree at the University of Samoa. The weather's anyway, much nicer. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, like, as far as a, an equity problem in America it's, it's right now, it's a huge equity problem. The fact we, we know, yeah, just add it on for years that. A lot of those those prestige schools mean on their legacies, and, and that's one yeah. of the ways that they yeah. kind of avoid and skirt some of those rules. Um, now we're do, finding that they're also using the financial aid in a very similar way. It's not surprising, unfortunately, but yeah, no, it's a huge issue because, like you said, if you get a resume of two different candidates and they seem equally qualified and one is Harvard and one is some just random state school. Who are you going to choose? You don't know from like a corporate perspective is like I get for a job posting, even for shitty jobs, I'll get 50 to a hundred resumes. Right. And I don't have time to read through 50 to a hundred resumes and it's unfair, but it's true. I mean, so I'm looking for very specific things. And one of them is college. And because it has to be. And and you're getting 50 to a hundred. Those places that are getting thousands of resumes that are using AI to pick out the resume. One of the things that AI is going to be picking is those prestige schools. Unless you have a bias against that school. There are, believe it or not, there are some folks that will say, no, I refuse to pick someone from Harvard or Yale or Duke just because of a personal bias. It does happen. Really super ultra prestigious companies that are getting thousands of applications for a single open position. That's at the point of, it, it's already a bunch of prestige kids at this point. So now we're just picking between Duke and Harvard and Yale. A- and we've already perpetuated the problem already at this point. Because we've already kicked out um, university. It's a uh, college acceptance season. And in the age of college acceptance season in 2024, it is. Um, a lot of smart a lot of smart kids are, are vlogging their acceptance letters. So Jamie has started to ask questions about how do you get into college? And we're just talking about it. It's really interesting because I'm like, so like some of these schools. She's so young. She doesn't have to worry about that yet. <laughs> she's not worried about it. She's just curious about everything. But like tell her she needs to be a kid. <laughs> the conversation has turned into like, we you know, like there are a lot of smart people. A lot of smart yeah. people and a lot yeah. of people who were smart enough to let just Harvard as an example, go to Harvard, but they don't let everybody into Harvard because to go to Harvard, you have to be smart, but you also have to be special. Somehow or you have to special. have connections or you have to have connections. Yeah. And so like, we all know it's, it's a lot about who, you know, and not what, you know, right? The world mm-hmm. is that right now, unfortunately. But like, I, I think that that makes for a really hard to, to handle situation where like, Again, we're talking about truth. Like, who knows what the truth is what if is a person who goes to Har- who a person who goes to Harvard deserves to be there? I don't know. Probably, but does it deserve to be there more than someone else? That wild. This show wild, is depressing wild, me. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, you started it. I did hey. start it. It's my own goddamn fault. Next topic. So, Caitlin Clark of the University of Iowa just recently celebrated her 22nd birthday. Happy birthday. And when I had heard this, I had also heard that she has uh, made over $800,000 in endorsements, 
which, believe it or not, would be 10 times more than what she would make in the WNBA in her first year. Now, while rookies are capped at a certain amount, the veterans also have a cap at almost $235,000. Meanwhile, Steph Curry, who's actually playing right now, makes close to $52 million. $52 million. That, math majors, is more than 220 times the max for the Lady Hoopsters. So, while it's discouraging to hear that these mismatch in uh, basketball salaries, it is encouraging to hear that many of these ladies are taking full advantage of their position with these NIL deals. So, everyone, could these NIL deals for female athletes ultimately help increase their salaries for the sports leagues they play in? I mean, I don't think the the WNBA could ever afford to pay them a Steph Curry level of money because it's about... it's about, you know, you know, sponsorship and coverage and like all those things that the NBA has, that WNBA has, or that the NFL has, the NHL doesn't have. Um, and it's just about the amount of money that they make. However, here's the cool thing. NIL and just like brand sponsorship is being very woman focused. Nike has a bunch of deals with a lot of college athletes. I think that that is where they're going to make their money. Just like mm-hmm. being social media faces and and voices for active athletes and female athletes in the world. I think that that is a really cool thing that NIL is developing and really specifically in the female market. Could you, um, so, so I, I did a little research on this. Caitlin Clark, according to on three.com is actually the fifth highest paid, uh, athlete with regards to NIL deals. Do you know who number one is? It's still the LS. Or do you have a guess no. who number one is? Is it still that LS that gymnast? Yes, it is. Livy Dunn. Uh, funny enough, the top three female athletes all from LSU. But Livy Dunn is, is number one, and she's a female gymnast with over 12 million followers on social media. And her NIL uh, evaluation is $3.5 million. Uh, Angel Reese is number two at 1.7. And um, there's another... Uh, Louisiana uh, LSU uh, sophomore. Oh, God, I'm going to mispronounce her name. I believe it's Flauge Johnson. I apologize if I... Well, what's really interesting, too, this is the Capitol Twins that. are just okay at basketball, but they made $2 million last year. They did. They did. In fact, Haley Cavender is number four on this list. I don't know why the other Cavender is not on this list. She's and also worse at she's now at TCU. Okay. So she's in a position that oh, she's not getting nearly as much exposure as she was at Miami. Uh, Paige Beckers, uh, who is uh, a senior at UConn, is number six on this list. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I will say this. WNBA salaries have gone up. Uh, I believe it's, they've more than doubled since the inception of the league, which is nice. But, you know, more, more exposure, the, the more people start going to games and watching games, and more revenue for the league. Well, and I, think, I think the WNBA is about to get if it's not this coming because of uh, uh, extra year of COVID eligibility, if it doesn't happen this year in this draft coming draft, this draft between this draft and the next draft, the talent that is going to jump into the WNBA yeah. is ridiculous. Cause you have, you have Clark, you have Beckers, you have Cameron Brink from Stanford, and these are all super talented players. And, and also yep. ones who know how to, leverage their social media platforms uh, they're all very smart very talented marketers um 
And they're kind of following in the steps of Sabrina UNESCO from Oregon. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, Good point. And, and that also proves that, yes, NIL gets them a lot of money and more than their WNBA salary, but they can move on to the WNBA, carry all those endorsements with them. They already have that pre existing relationship at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. And now that they get, now obviously, and you're Caitlin Clark because you're just doing ridiculous things on the basketball court. You're getting national coverage. Or if you're a national brand like LSU or UConn when it comes to women's yep. basketball, you get a yep. lot of coverage. And, and, I, and I hope that ESPN, so Caitlin Clark could potentially break the all-time scoring uh, record in the NCAA. So I hope ESPN starts to do more and more national coverage of of her doing that. So they're going to start, you know, I, they've, they're already starting to um, to broadcast the games. But I hope that it's all it's because like we were kind of saying about the news media, right? I hope that it becomes a breaking news segment when she's about to score, uh, break the record. And that kind of all these platforms just kind of start showing the game. Because I think it's something that... They they need to put a little bit more marketing and attention on because it is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and I think that yes, it will help uh, WNBA exposure. Again, this glut of talent that's about to hit the WNBA is going to be amazing for, it. And, and it's mm-hmm. just a lot of talent because there's already a lot of talent in the WNBA, but uh, a lot of the older yeah. talent in the WNBA. They weren't savvy to social media. Like they've joined social media since. They weren't part of the social media generation that is now about to join no. the WNBA. No. And so it's going to increase the exposure. Game attendance will go up because right now that's one of the big things for WNBA because they don't have the big TV deal deals yet. Ticket sales is one of the big revenue generators. So you get more people in the gates. You're going to generate more revenue. You're going to have more room for increased salaries. I think that that was proven by the um, the WNBA finals this year and the Las Vegas Aces team. and the New York Liberty, who probably have the two super teams, the two highest paid the rosters, teams, and they yeah. were the best teams. I mean, like the Aces were, the Aces have been stacked for a while now, but the Aces are stacked, stacked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I also think that um, the exposure, but I think I, w- I would almost postulate right that the NCAA um, women's league has more national TV exposure than the WNBA. But I think that their actual basketball playing exposure is almost secondary to their social media exposure. These are like beautiful, talented, um, athletic women that are also doing a cool thing but that's just the reason they get to be on instagram and tiktok i mean they could be doing almost anything and being as good of marketers that they are and that's one of the reasons that they're making the kind of money that they are because they have 12 million followers the the cavender twins and they have a cool gimmick and they have 8 million followers i mean just like it's it's about the whole picture for them and maybe less for the men which is unfair but i think that they're also doing socials much much better i don't think that Steph Curry's social is as highly maintained as, say, Caitlin Clark's social. I don't think it is. Well, I don't know. These these uh, the these big professional athletes now have teams to do their social media for them because they can afford to as well. Yeah, I sure. mean, 
Tom Brady puts out some of the best stuff on social media, but he's certainly not posting that himself. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and that's what we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Originality and interesting content. And Mark, is this it? Are we there? Did we make it? Come on, Eric, do it. Eric, I think you should actually do this. Come on, you you sing it. Do it, Eric. Final topic. So unfortunately, I was going to do a hockey topic, but Pete's not here. So we're going to skip the hockey topic because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So we're going to stay with depressing. Um, This week, Sports Illustrated (laughs) announced a significant cut in its workforce after a significant cut. uh, Publishing license was revoked. The arena group, the publishing company, the parent company, uh, which has operated SI since 2019, failed to meet its quarterly license fee. And while many employees were laid off, the entire staff did not receive termination notices. Uh, Arena Group states that it still plans to operate SI, but the previous owner, Authentic Brands Group, also announced its commitment to ensuring the continuity of the revered sports app publication. Um, so is it possible that the end of Sports Illustrated is a precursor to the death of print media and journalism? Or do we think SI's downfall is just a case of a company that was run poorly and taken advantage of by a parent company that didn't care about it and more cared about the bottom line? I think it was probably a little bit of both. We definitely have been seeing the the ultimate decline in print media. I mean, more and more magazines uh, have been going out of business or just doing digital-only newspapers. I mean, when was the last time you saw someone reading a newspaper? Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I still have the, 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 the Providence Journal near me. Uh, you guys have the Times Union, right? People I mean, the Times Union. Area. But I mean, I, I think that the, 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 um, the metaphor for Sports Illustrated is more like the New York Times. Uh-huh. Like, I think that it is a big publication. And, and the reason it's news is because, wow, they just fired almost everyone. They fired no almost one. everyone. Was it, how many people was it? Did you, did you see that? I didn't look. Wasn't it in the? No, it wasn't that many. Um, <laughs> Did you say in a million? I was going to say I, I, the word number two million came in. It's like wait, that doesn't make any sense. But it was it was a significant portion, right? Right? It was like half. Uh thirty three percent. Thirty three percent. Okay. More That's than a hundred people, which That's is a lot. lot. The LA Times just yeah. fire half their newsroom too. Yeah. That, that, mm. Another. I mean, it's kind of sad, well, right? But we had our friend Rick on, and Rick, um, hey Rick, if you're listening, um, said that it really is hard to make long-form journalistic articles because, A, good journalists are expensive, and B, most of the stuff can just be done with AI. And also, like, how many people sit down and read anything anymore? Really? My parents still have a newspaper subscription. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but um, even your parents, how many how many people like my parents don't read newspapers? Like how many people sit no, down my and parents, read a My newspaper? parents still read a newspaper. Or buy a magazine. I mean, that's I think the unfortunate part is the Yeah, I don't the, know anyone the, aside the, from doctors' the, offices that have magazine subscriptions. The magazine, like Sports Illustrated. I don't know. I just don't know. This was wild news for me, man. The only time I've ever seen a Sports Illustrated now is at my dentist's office. And usually those are like two months old. At your dad is lost. No, but no, that sucks. Uh, I'm sorry. Media is going away, unfortunately, <laughs> and there's a lot of loss that we're losing in terms of true, good local investigative journalism. 
um obviously that oh there's no good investigate yeah we've we've talked it over with jeff there's like no no one is doing investigative journalism anymore because we're losing that and now big print media is going away again in terms of depressing this allows the fake content generators to fill Mm -hmm. that void quite easily yeah they They already already are are, right it gives them even more opportunity painful yeah for sure for sure think about this though so while yeah while print media is seems to be almost extinct people are still buying books hardcover books and paperback books i think though fictional like entertainment reading is a different thing and it's a different thing for the people who really like it like you read fiction to decompress, to relax. Um, you read fiction because some people like the smell of books. You read fiction because sometimes, and you buy books because sometimes, like I'm a big believer because I'm just trying to declutter in my Kindle, but like some people don't really like that. Like Stephanie, hey Steph, um, Stephanie doesn't believe in her Kindle. You know, Stephanie likes her books. M- Melanie, um, well, she was not working, but Melanie really liked to read. We have two bookshelves in our house now. Um, from um, from none to filled bookshelves. I mean, like, I just think that the problem, I think, for us as a society is once journalism becomes very unreliable and be maybe even non-existent, I, I think that the real question is what we said, like, how do we know? How do we know what the truth is? <laughs> I'm so uh, sad after this show. <laughs> this is yeah. a very depressing episode. This is our... Maybe it should be depressing as balls. <laughs> uh, maybe. What were you going to say, Eric? Uh, well, I mean, we got time the, left. So. If we did the hockey topic, it wasn't going to get any better because uh, the elephant in the room right now when it comes to hockey. Did you hear that news? So the no, uh, So I heard it on the early end uh, because the starting goaltender for the Flyers, Carter Hart, uh, took a leave of absence for personal reasons. And so uh, my local uh, newspaper, I don't have a print copy, but I have online subscription. They're like, hey, Carter Hart's taking this leave. But like, two hours later, ESPN broke a story that like six or seven NHL players who are all on the world junior team from Canada 2018 are taking absences from their teams while there's an investigation for sexual assault. Sexual assault. I did. I did hear about this. And that's in awesome. terms of prospecting, that's yeah. Now one of the things you really have to investigate. Yeah. Well, and I mean the whole junior team, right? So that's all these up and comers and yeah, you don't big you don't, players. I'm going to save this topic, everyone who's listening. But we are going to talk about Ellen Olin Zellweger next week because that's really interesting. He's a very interesting player, and actually the Ducks are really um kind of cool to watch that they're bringing him up. I really am excited by that. Anyway, I think we are good. I'm so depressed. <laughs> Aw, I'm sorry, Mark. It was, a, it was a good show and short. All right, John, you ready? I'm not ready because the music's not even going to come on because media player is still fucked. <laughs> but we're out. You go. I'm going to press the button. When so I that has I been our topics. To. And like I said, I'm depressed as fuck right now. But we'd still like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank, thank you, guys, for having me. Thanks, Eric. Please subscribe to us by tickling that little bell or follow like us on our socials at If These Balls Pod 
on X, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and TikTok. Our website is www.ifthesballscouldtalkpod.com. This is Mark Pesci, and for my partner, John Campania, and producer Pete Steffen, who's apparently missing, that's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Good night.